My guest today is a great family man, has multiple streams of income, and he spent about 22 years in Arizona prisons. He's a prime example that you can rewire your brain to do good. And in this episode, he talks about how he did that. He had a lot of rewiring to do because he said he was arrested at the age of six. Yes, six. But he's an awesome man. He's my new friend from Arizona. Uh, Today, we do a background check on John Levitt. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, "Go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. Another week, another episode. I am so glad to be here. Uh, we believe in Background Check that your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. So what are you doing? I know when I was in prison, I started doing things that would help me, uh, help my background to pay me back. I took typing in prison and now I type all the time. And that but my background, my background, the choices that led me to prison caused me to learn how to type, which has caused me to be able to promote my business, write my book and even make money. So um, how can you help Make your background pay you back instead of hold you back. So great. Uh, As always, brought to you by Forgiven Felons. But we are also brought to you by uh, another sponsor, RP Media. They are a full-service video production business specializing in documentary, corporate video promos, educational training videos, podcasting, and they'll even build out small uh, digital media studios. Uh, for you if that's what you need. My friend Rob, he's uh, I've known him since I got out of prison 16 years ago. He's got more than 25 years experience in the media industry, including a former CBN producer, screenwriter, author uh, of the book called Blood Covenant, uh, Blood Covenant, which is a great book. You got to read it. Uh, he's been church media pastor, digital, marts, uh, digital media arts college professor at SAGU in Waxahachie. I've known him, like I said, I've known him for 16 years. I coached his daughter in Bible Quiz, so we have a relationship. Um, he's done a commercial for a company I used to work for, but he's most known for, at least in Forgiven Felons realm, for producing our documentary. And so if you haven't watched it, go watch it at Roku TV, Tubi TV. It's on the Christian Movie Channel on YouTube. And he was the executive producer for that documentary. So if you need any type of work done, watch the documentary to see his work. Uh, contact him today, 214-354-6364, 214-354-6364, or you can email him at robprice6, robprice, the number six, at gmail.com. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he does good work, so give him a call, all right? And if you mentioned you heard it on Background Check Podcast, he's going to give you 5% off all your work, all right, through through 2022. You can't beat that deal, all right? So, um, so anyway, we got some great things coming up. We got some good interviews coming up next week. I'm going to do a, a Mother's Day, uh, Mother's Day episode. You're going to love that. But shout out to all you people who are new. If you are new to listening in jails or prisons, or if you're new to listening even out here, 
uh, give us a call. Uh, give us a text. All our information is at ForgivenFelons.org. Uh, visit there to see what we're doing at, at Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up, and um, I'm excited about the episode we got coming up next week. So uh, no new announcements about Forgiven Felons. We are getting a slew, a slew. What's another word for a slew? Uh, a ton, <laughs> a buttload <laughs> full of letters from people um, since our The Echo prison newspaper um, gave us a shout out. So thank you to all who've written. We are trying to get you back. I am one person. I got I to gotta hire an intern, pay an intern, pay somebody to help me respond to all you guys. So if you're hearing this and you already have tablets, be patient. But um, if you do, are you if you are listening to our podcast, please uh, spread the word in prison, out here, wherever you are. You know, if you want to go leave a, a review on Apple, that's the, that's the only platform you can leave a review on right now, uh, and that's fine. It, it does help us. It does help us bring more awareness and exposure. If we're getting a lot of reviews, they'll put us up there on a featured. Uh, when somebody's just looking for anything, they'll, they'll feature us. So, But the main thing is share the podcast with somebody. There's not an episode that wouldn't benefit somebody. So share that with uh, with somebody today, especially if you're in prison, share it with everybody. Hey, the podcasts are free. You, you, don't, you don't have to have a subscription to listen to the podcast. So I, I don't believe so, at least. So anyway, um, glad you're here. Thank you for showing up every week to hear what um, somebody else knew who has risen above their past and not let their background hold them back. This week is no exception. This is one of the guys I met while I was in uh, Arizona. His name is John Levitt. He's got a beautiful wife and kids, and and he, he spent over twenty around twenty two years in prison. He went twice. I think when he when he got out, he went back in less than five or six months. You'll hear him talk about that. But he he said some gold golden nuggets. I mean, you know, when you hear when I say somebody spits out a golden nugget, it means that they said something that I need to write down that can really alter the trajectory of my life. And, and he, listen, he said some things that blew me away. And uh, this guy now, he's, he and his wife have multiple businesses. Uh, they have a car dealership. Uh, that'll be on the show notes, everydaycarsllc.com. You know, and, and they're just for everyday people. They're great. I've looked at them. I'm like, man, I may, I may buy me one. Um, so, but he's just an amazing guy. And he's an Arizona Cardinals fan. He's got some nice cars. He has a little racing team called X Felon Incorporated, X Felon Racing. It's it's pretty cool. He's a really neat guy, and it just goes to show you that you can rewire. You can rewire your brain. He talks about how he rewired his brain while he was still in prison. So no matter where you are, what you're doing, uh, you can do you can do it too. You can get what he's got and more. So um, uh, so this is my my interview with my good friend John Levitt. John Levitt, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. It uh, seems like a good program. Man, this is an honor. Uh, I've, I've met you through the great Peter Meyerhoff and uh, with uh, his own podcast, Roll Call with Chappie. Uh, he's going to be on one of our episodes, and I get to ask him what Chappie means. Uh, I have no idea yet. I know what Roll Call is, but I don't know what Chappie means. I'm, I don't know if it was a – you guys were locked up together, right? Uh, he was a little bit after me, a little bit after, I'm a little bit before him, but, uh, okay. he took over the OG spot, uh, Chappie, nice. I think he'll tell you it's, I think his, uh, his, uh, prison moniker. So, okay. All right. Uh, did you have a prison moniker? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you can say my name all you want, but if you say the word diehard in the Florence, uh, you know, the Arizona prison system, they know who you are. They don't think about. of Bruce Willis. They think of you. No, yeah. It's, a lot of people used to... All that uh, name actually represents is someone who's resistant to change. It's just basically loyalty, yeah. loyal yeah. to his beliefs, and I carry that to this day. That's good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good. Whatever a flaw, yeah. not a flaw. But that's a good character trait to have. So, John, uh, I've we've talked already, and I know all about you, but we talked about your story more than what you do now and and who you are now. So. Tell, tell the listeners who you are now, what you do, businesses you run, you own, your wife, honor your family, and, and uh, just tell us who you are right now. Well, first and foremost, I'm just your average, take my trash out and my boxers neighbor that uh, all he cares about is taking care of his family. You know, I got uh, three beautiful children. I have uh, two granddaughters and two more granddaughters on the way. My daughter's nice. going to have twins. Um, but the uh, core of my family is my wife, uh, my nine-year-old daughter, and my fourteen-year-old uh, son. And uh, everything I do, I do to keep them in the life that they are now accustomed to live in. And oh. I will work whatever I have to do to to make sure that they live a good life. And what and what is it you do? What what kind of? So uh, me and my wife started a uh, about um, seven years ago. Or uh, well, get go back ten, eight years ago. I used to put a lot of money into. Uh, uh, high-end cars corvettes okay. and my buddy owned a corvette dealership he built from scratch here in arizona and so he was kind enough to let me partner with him a little bit and do some stuff and uh that was going well um and then my wife woke up one day and you know we had talked about it and she's like hey let's start a dealership of our own yeah. so we own a small independent car dealership that uh we just honestly we approach our dealership and our customers as we approach life we like to take a little and give back a lot. So awesome. we don't, we know what the business is like. So rather than just uh, do predatorial style of sales to customers, we try to get them in and treat them fairly and still keep the lights on and make a little profit. Okay. Well, uh, on our show page, we'll put a link to, do you have a website or information? Uh, we do. It's uh, www.everydaycars.com llc.com and uh the name everyday cars comes from uh everyday cars for everyday people nice all right well good maybe we'll get somebody that's listening that lives in the arizona area or if they're not in the arizona if they're just visiting they want to buy a car from you while they're here uh that that that'll be good get you some business okay so uh so life is good now how long has it been since you've been out of prison uh i got out uh, December 5th, 2005. So I've been out of prison uh, a little bit better than 16 years. Yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah. I got out in uh, April, 2006. Yeah. Coming so, up for your anniversary. So yeah. Coming up on, uh, I guess, what is that? 16 years. I'll give you a small statistic. That's kind of crazy. Um, after five years out, you reach a 98% chance that you'll never return to prison. Yeah. Even after 16 years out, you never get back to a hundred percent chance. It's kind of sad, I guess, but that's where I, I feel like the statistics are flawed because at some point you got to believe, you got to believe that someone's changed well, and headed in the right direction. I mean, I know things, but can happen, if you but look still. at the statistics, it kind of is sheds a bad light on the correction system because they're basically saying that we're not confident enough to say that we did a good enough job to keep you out yeah. 100%. I don't know what the recidivism rate in Arizona is. I know what it is nationally. It's almost 80%. Uh, 
uh, and that includes federal and state and, and all that. In Texas, uh, Texas alone for state prison is about 50%, so one out of every two. And that's within a three years. Uh, if you if extrapolate that out to five and seven years, it's you know it gets less and less. But you know the thing about it, we talked about this. You know, prison's a business. Whether it's a private prison or a, a state prison, they're in it to make money. And uh, you know, one private prisons have oversight because they're they're regulated by the business bureau. Uh, state prisons don't. They don't have any oversight, so they can run their business into the ground, but still make profit off commissary. You know, phone calls, video visitation, all that. Unfortunately, prison has become a double tax on the poor. I mean, um, a lot of stuff in society double taxes the poor. They, you know, the justice system as a whole. I don't want to get off track, but that as a whole, they constantly put fines on you that they know you can't pay. That interrupts your job if you yeah. have one, and then they just keep you in the system. It's almost like a bad buy here, pay here car dealership. <laughs> You know, so they, good. Such a good, that's yeah. a good uh, illustration of that. Uh, okay. So you've been out for, for a while. You've had some success. Um, you have a great family. Hasn't always been this way. So how far back in your, uh, in your life does it go where you started making poor choices that affected your behavior? So I speak with my son all the time that uh, you want to form good decision habits when you're young because that'll carry you through the rest of your life. Once you learn how to make good decisions, you don't stop making good decisions. True. So I began making poor decisions at the age of six. In 1976, before my seventh birthday, I was actually arrested for the first time. Wait, wait, wait. Here in Arizona? Here in it's Arizona. Le- it was legal in Arizona to arrest a six-year-old? Yes, it is on my pre-sentence reports. It's in my police reports. And I followed that up by getting completely expelled from the Tucson Unified School District, and they had to send me to the children's home for schooling Uh 40 miles away from my house. Now, how does a six-year-old even know he's being arrested? Did you resist arrest? Did you know what was going on? Did you I didn't. crying for mom and dad? I'm sure I was crying, to be honest with you, as tough as I'd like to say, but uh, they didn't haul me down to juvenile hall, so it was nothing spectacular, but they arrested me, put me in handcuffs, put me in the back of the police rec- uh, car, did a, a legit police report, and then released me to my parents to show up at court. All right. And what was the disposition of that? Uh, you know what? I couldn't tell you because it was 1976. <laughs> um, I can tell you I don't have any reports of probation or anything. I nice. think I was a uh, sight and release. And uh, I'm sure my parents probably had to pay some restitution. It was yeah. breaking in and entering. And uh, we broke the window. Um, we didn't steal anything, but we went inside. So I'm pretty sure there was probably some type of restitution. And, you know, 1976, they might have paid 100 bucks. You know, that's the equivalent to about 5,000 now. It blows me away that you got arrested as a six year old. That is crazy. It is. It is. I actually had a co defendant, and he was eight. And I'm proud to say I didn't snitch then either. So, (laughs) all right. So, uh, what what age of your life, what season of your life was the next uh, troublesome years? Well, honestly, I didn't, uh, you know, I'm kind of unique to the prison population. The prison population usually has three very distinct common denominators, and that's a broken home, poverty, and drug addiction. I only came from a broken home. I don't have a drug addiction. I don't uh, drink, smoke, or do drugs. I never have. I, I But at the age of six, I developed a taste for the thrill of the chase, yeah. for adrenaline. Yeah. 
And I didn't have to search on a street corner for that. I didn't have to call people to get high. I could just hit a switch. I could go steal a candy bar. I could go break into somebody's house while they're home. And I was as high as they got. You know, I was that, that adrenaline is just scary. And, um, I started forming bad decisions and it carried me through the rest of my life. A lot life. of people don't realize, uh, that there is some adrenaline, adrenaline rush from, from stealing. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's, people are like, why, why do you steal? Cause you, some people steal because they have to, they need to feed their family. They need to do this. They need to do that. And they, they can't wrap their head around the fact that some people just steal for the adrenaline. It's a, it is a misfire in your brain, but, uh, there's a reason why you see people in Hollywood that got millions of dollars that still steal stuff yes. because they get off on yes. it. You know, yep. I mean, I guess it's like any other weird thing that us as humans pick up and, um, you know, it just, uh, I allowed myself to delve into this bad habits and my brain just misfired for quite a few years. So, uh, high school, did it, did it I never went to high school. I, uh, actually left home when I was about 14 years old. Okay. Um, and then shortly after that, being on the streets, obviously doing crime, I was incarcerated. Um, and while you were a juvenile. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and then, uh, uh, from there they tried to send me to multiple halfway houses at one point or another, and I would just leave those. And of course, you know, chasing the, you know, throw the chase, you know, stealing cars and you know, whatever you're doing. And then, uh, uh, when I was like 16, I got paroled back to my parents and that was the only, uh, four way, uh, in the high school that I ever had, I was in high school for six months. Uh, my mom almost fainted. I got two C's, two, uh, B's and two A's. She couldn't believe it best. Nice. You know, I was used to fines and dandies, <laughs> you know, F's and D's. And, um, so that was the only time in high school that I had. And then of course I shortly after that stole a car, went to San Diego, got arrested over there. And you know, it's uh, actually my plane ride back when they extradited me back on parole was, I was over the ocean for the first time in an airplane, and it was at the same time that the space shuttle Challenger blew up, and the oh, judge, wow. or the judge, the air, the the captain announced it over the airline. You know, my first thought is, I don't know why we're telling people on an airplane this, but yeah, really, you know, but, I think uh, I would wait till they yeah, land, so, safely land. Um, so that was uh, mid eighties, yeah, uh, yeah, nineteen eighty six, yeah, um, and then uh, I got back, and uh, I ended up. Uh, breaking into a motorcycle shop and I had a gun when I got arrested and in Tucson, we had the motorcycles and, um, I, memory doesn't serve me completely, but they ended up transferring me as an adult for that. Gotcha. And that's when I got involved with the adult system. And, and so your first brush with the adult system was, was what? 17. 17. At 17. Yeah. And, uh, and how long did you, did you have to do? I did uh, four years, my first, uh, for burglary of a non-residential structure. Okay. And the kicker to that is, is when I was actually in the county jail, uh, me and one of the other miners escaped. We foiled some other guy's plan, uh, and um, we just wandered around. It was Bisbee, Arizona, and man, it was so cold. Uh, we were so blue. So you it. escaped from the county jail? Just for the heck of it. You know what I mean? And then... Uh, How? Uh, they you, had this wreck pin. We went up, uh, they broke these welds on the fence. So we had, we found there and we went up under these fences. Okay. You know, we're young, we're skinny, small gotcha. kids, you know? And, uh, uh, when the sheriff showed up and he said, well, can you get in the car so I can check you out? He had a heated vehicle. We didn't resist. You know what I mean? We were so cold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, when I went back though, I'm in a pod. Now all of a sudden this guy's in there for murder. I'm in for burglary. So they're like, all right, well, you're going to come out for two hours. He's going to come out for two hours. And I said, well, you know what? I'm transferred as an adult. Just put me in with the adults. 
They had just burned down a prison called Douglas at the time. So they had all the prisoners from Douglas in a pod next door. And that's exactly where they put me in with was the adult wow. prisoners, not even County jail. I was in with legit prisoners Man. from a, a low medium yard. And, uh, luckily some of the guys took me under their wing, you know, taught me some arts and crafts, a, 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 a Hispanic gentleman. I couldn't tell you his name. He didn't speak a lick English, but he taught me how to make those hearts and crosses out of oh, yeah. socks. Yeah. Out of string. Yeah. And later on, my uh, a long uh, stay in Supermax in Arizona, that helped me get some stamps every now and then, making those. A uh, little hustle? Yeah, a little hustle. You know, you, you know, I didn't have nobody on the street sending me money and stuff. So some of the misfires you talk about, I love the way you describe you know, the misfires. Uh, 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 as, as we live, we have misfires, and that's what makes us have bad decisions. So did that carry into your prison sentence? Were you, were you acting a fool in that four years? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I had some, uh, some pretty crazy experiences in prison. You know, I, I don't really talk about per se, you know, all the details of that kind yeah. of stuff because I'm free now Yeah, and I don't like to digress into that. I don't, I don't like to talk about it per se because I think it detracts from the story. I mean, was there any point in that four years that's that, that the light bulb went off and say, okay, no. I, don't, I don't want to change my, or I want to change my behavior and not ever come back here. So the first four years out was uh, good times in prison. I can't lie. I mean, that was like summer camp. I mean, we had yeah. a great time, you know, we're smashing people. And I, I mean, you, guys are bench pressing 165 pounds and take a wheel to the head. You know, it looks like a watermelon, you know what I mean? On the weight pile. I mean, it's, it, it's, I know people find it hard to believe, but it's a great time. I mean, it's like a, it's like a frat house I yeah. mean, where you're running the show. Some you're prisons doing, are, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're doing what you want. And, uh, so honestly, when I got out after my first four years, when I was running, I was so happy. I was going to get out and run amok on the street that I literally looked at my co-defendant and told him we're merely making memories for when we go back. Wow. But at this rate, I'm simply a product of my environment now. Yeah. You know, that's all I associate with is felons. That's all I'm about is felons, you know, overthrow this riot here, stab here. You know, my young mind is absorbed and I know the public has a hard time identifying with that. So the way I would relate it to them is identify with being a Hollywood star and having paparazzi everywhere. When I'm in prison, I'm somebody yeah. and the paparazzi are the police. You know what I mean? They're making me famous. They're treating me a dirt certain way. They're treating me this way. Yeah. And that the more you get treated poorly by the system, the more your status rise because you only get poor treated poorly by the system. If you're somebody in the system, cause they're trying to bring you down. They're trying to break you. Now yeah. it's their goal to break you. And it's your goal to stud up even more. Yeah. So, you know, you figure I'm 17, I'm getting out just before I'm 21, I mean, I'm thinking that I'm invincible at this yeah. rate. You know, I don't do drugs, um, you know, kicking in doors, taking down drug dealers. We're ripping off gun runners. I mean, and you essentially had already planned your, your comeback. Yeah. Well, here we are in prison thinking we're not going back to prison for taking down other criminals. Well, these guys are savvy, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're calling the police afterwards. They got homeowners insurance. They're saying, you know, <laughs> diamonds are stolen. So and, when you get out now, you start this, this new, uh, era of stealing, yeah. which now they call home invasion. Back then you were just robbing people, but you were targeting, you weren't targeting just everyday people. You were targeting who? So in prison, 
you start to learn and, and, and I want people to understand that I'm a very respectful human being, even in prison, I'm very respectable, but in prison, everything is segregated. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still played basketball with Hispanics and, and black people. Um, and sometimes that's frowned upon on yeah. certain oh, yards. It was in yard too. But, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, everything is segregated. That's just the way prison works. But that's what allows it to work also, you know, because it's a mutual respect for each other. So in there, you get a lot of learning uh, stuff about white literature. And so uh, I realized the errors in my way, not just whites, but in general, I developed an attitude that I did not want to make the working man's life any more worse than it already was. Mm. You know, I felt bad that when I was younger, I may have stole somebody's heirloom that they couldn't get back that made something. So I developed a type of conscience per se towards the working man, but I didn't develop a conscience towards crime. I still looked at it as a means to an end, and that was the thrill of the chase. So when I got out, we developed this plan that we're just going to go after other criminals. There you go. You're thinking, you know, there's no no (laughs) victim involved. You know, they know the game. We know the game, you know. I mean, it's just like these guys, you know. Even when I was a kid, my mom used to tell me, if you play, you pay. Yeah. I mean, these guys out here nowadays, man, these guys aren't hardcore. Man, no, These guys no. are temporary tough guys until the police show up and they're singing like canaries. And, you know, everybody wants probation. Nobody wants a prison <laughs> sentence no more, but they sure want to do all run amok, yeah. you know. So I'm from the old school that I played, I paid, I kept my mouth shut, and I did what I had coming. I, you know, that's what you thought I had coming, and I took it like a man. Now, know? how long did that, did that series, that season last uh, before you ended up going back? Five months, and I was Wait, on five parole. Five months? I was only out five months, and I was on parole, so I was literally looking at seven back-to-back life sentences because I was, all my crimes were listed as dangerous, repetitive. So to this day, I cannot have my rights restored because my crimes, I ended up pleading out, even though I didn't want to, but I had a judge that told me they made me take the plea. If I didn't get the plea, then if I didn't take it, my co-defendant got it. And when I questioned that, the judge told me, well, if he wants to roll his dice and get seven life sentences, I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was gambling with my life here. But so, you know, obviously at 21, I'm like, I better take this 21 year plea. So now my mindset is worse. I'm thinking 21, I'm never getting out. So I tell my co-defendant, well, maybe we should just race to death row, see who's going to get there first. Go in prison, reestablish ourselves. And unfortunately, um, that led to some bad decisions too. So, I mean, I get in prison, I'm running amok, you know, and then next thing I know in Supermax, I'm doing some things in Supermax that I was accused of allegedly. And that kept me in Supermax for nine flat years. Now, I'm from Texas, so I know what uh, Supermax means in Texas. But explain, a lot of my listeners aren't aren't from Arizona. So, so uh, Ari- explain what Super Supermax in Arizona okay. is. So no, people don't know this, but the first ever Supermax was created in Arizona. It was a unit called SMU. And it was opened in 19... 19- 87. I got to uh, SMU in 1987, November, Friday the 13th. And Pelican Bay in California was open in 1989 and it was modeled after SMU. And then they went on to build SMU too. And the history there is what Supermax is, is it's 
people say, oh, you're locked down 23 hours a day. Well, actually, Supermax is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're locked in your cell and you get out three times a week for an hour of rec and a shower. And now the recreation is 20 foot, 25 foot walls with a screen on the top. So for nine flat years, all I ever seen was blue sky. Wow. And and so was that enough room to like run around, do push-ups? I mean, yeah, I, you know, you being a fellow uh, ex-felon yourself, you understand that fitness is a big part of prison. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame that the system doesn't embrace fitness more because a healthy body is a healthy mind. Yeah. And as much as they like to sell this perception that they're rehabilitating people, um, they should just be honest and say they're locking people up because yeah. they don't rehabilitate nobody. It's on you to rehabilitate yourself in the system. And, and we talked about this earlier. We both believe prison is a business. And any business, their number one goal is to create repeat clientele. Absolutely. And nothing... When, when, a, when, a, when a prison doesn't want to lean towards rehabilitative, then they're only punitive. And punitive, a punitive mindset is only going to keep that those people that you're punishing there longer. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen so many things. When I first got out of prison, I didn't understand how much it was about the money. And then I started helping parolees. We started our transitional houses. We start housing guys coming out of prison. Parolees, you get out and they want you to pay 65, 85 bucks a month or whatever they're asking. Everything is about the money. But There's, it's off the backs of the poor. Yeah. You're not talking about off the backs of elites because the elites are programmed early in life to make good decisions. And even when they don't make good decisions, they have the money to hire attorneys who make good decisions. And that's what people don't understand is I tell people there's not a racism in this country. There's a political bias as far as people get preferential treatment based on their economic status. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Whether you're black, white, or Hispanic, if you're, I have a multimillionaire friend and his favorite saying is the legal system is a commodity. You get what you can afford. It's true. One of our uh, previous episodes uh, in back in February, the lady was saying she she basically said the way it is with the Texas criminal justice system you you get as much justice as you can afford but That's if exactly somebody is listening to this and you're an ex-felon or you're currently in prison and you got to get out you have to understand that yeah so you have to get out with the mindset that i'm not my mindset is this i'm very humble but in my mind i'm extremely arrogant yeah. I believe I can't be broken and I believe that I'm better than you and I'm going to show you I'm better than you. Die hard. Die hard. Because I want to make more money than you. I want to live better than you. And I'm not talking about regular people. I'm talking about people who think they're better than me. Yeah. People who work in so-called corrections, these higher ups or, you know, people don't understand how billionaires are billionaires. They label people. They give people a label to make other people's lives harder on them. So let me give you an example. You go into the bank and they're like, oh, hey, Jay, how you doing? They call your name, you know, or you're like, hey, I need to take out $2,000. Okay, I need to see your ID. You're like, oh, I don't, I forgot my wallet. Oh, well, I can't, I can't give you your money. You just said my name. 
This is your regular persons denying you your money, knowing they know you are or your neighbors, an assurance adjuster for a billion dollar company. And he comes and he wants to give you a thousand dollars. Your car's got five thousand dollars worth of damage because somebody incentivized him. A billionaire incentivized him to make your life harder. So regular people literally get labels. Yeah. And make other regular people's lives harder. So then let's look at that in the justice system. I love, I live in Florence, which is a concentration of police and corrections officers. I still call them prison guards just because I know they don't like it. I'm sorry, but that's the way I am. But, and I know a ton of them cheating on their wives. Kids do drugs, misbehaving at school. They ain't got their shit together. So when they don't have theirs together, what do they do? They go into prison and they project yeah. that they're better than you to make themselves feel better. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. There is plenty of people in prison that deserve to be there. Yeah. And there's plenty of officers in there that, des- that deserve recommendations for the job that they do. Yeah. Because there's some good people on both sides of the fence. I agree with so that. So I don't knock anybody. And that's the biggest thing is... I go about my life to take care of me and my family the best I can, but I never go out of my way to make anybody's life harder than it already is. And I'll tell you this, I send my kids to school. I don't let my kids take the bus. I have tailored my life so that I spend as much time with my kids as I can. People put them on the bus. Then they're in school for seven or eight hours. Then you work all the time. You get home. You literally, if you look at the timetable, spend less than four hours a yeah. day with your child. Someone else has your child. Three or four hours in the evening. But an hour of that is preparing preparing dinner. Yeah. Or and homework. Maybe or homework. And- we eat family dinners. We do family game night. Uh, one of my favorites is Yahtzee because I teach we my kids. We love Yahtzee. Well, I do Yahtzee because it teaches the power of persuasion. That if you say Yahtzee enough times, you may only hit it one out of five times. But you give the opportunity to your children to learn that a positive thought process reveals positive results. So when I send my kids to school every morning, I always remind them to be kind to everyone because they do not know what's going on in that other child's life. So good. And what's crazy is you can now have the option of buying a bulletproof backpack for your child. Mm. To protect themselves, somebody bring it. And I, that's why I tell them, you be nice to everybody because unfortunately you don't know who might come shoot up to school. And they'll remember if you're nice to them. They will. And it's the same in the general public. When I walk in front of somebody in the grocery store, I say, excuse me. And I tell them, have a great day. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't want to be a victim of a violent crime either. You know what I mean? So I believe that a positive attitude will get you through anything, whether you're sitting in supermax with nothing but the paint on the walls, or you're at minimum, or you're stuck working for some corporate job and you feel unappreciative. Don't look at life that way. Yeah. Look at life like you're in control. Some jobs out here feel like you're in prison. They are in prison. I mean, people don't realize that billionaires are billionaires for a reason. They keep their money in their circle. You buy the car from their dealership. You insure the car through their insurance. I mean, you their banks, you get the money from. It's just one big cycle. But what they do is they create worker ants. Yeah. They need us. We're the worker ants. So I don't give in to this whole thing that they're trying to destroy us. In a certain aspect, they're trying to destroy certain things so that they keep their worker ants. Right. And you're right. 
prison is simply a mentality, Jay. I know plenty of people who are as free as can be in and they're in prison. I got a friend who's a multimillionaire and he's as miserable as they come. He is the saying that exemplifies money cannot buy happiness. It's crazy. So what are some things that help get you through prison, whether it was Supermax, whether it was just general population, wherever you were, what are some things, what did you uh, do to, whether it's pass the time to learn to whatever, what, what are some things you did? I only read for educational purposes. When I went to prison, I could barely read or write. First book I ever wrote, wrote read was a romance novel. I never picked up another fiction book after that mm. unless it was the only thing available. I literally started going to the library. I have wrote briefs to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, legit legal briefs. I can speak properly and I can write even better. But I've been told that my writing is very void of emotion, like it's too professional. Yeah. You know, being that comes from reading a ton of law books. Yeah. You know, I write in a very matter of fact manner. So it kind of, it's void of emotion. Yeah. So I have to be careful of that when I write, but it's great if I have to write a letter to a company yeah. or I got to write a legal letter for somebody or something. Uh, so, you well, know, no, okay. So you only read, uh, you didn't read any, any fiction books other than the first one. And, and I mean, my favorite was entrepreneurship. Okay. So any book on entrepreneurship? Yep. I literally have paper that is turning yellow now for business ideas I have that are currently in place to this day, 20 mm. years later. Wow. You know, so, uh, my mind never stops. I do not, uh, I don't think I work hard enough, but people who come from the outside, uh, like just a small example, my wife's mom thought I didn't like her because I never sat still when she used to come to visit. <laughs> it took literally took her a few visits to understand that I am constantly trying to get what I need to get done. Do I take vacations? Sure. But I mean, we're football cheer, you know, buying cars, selling cars. I mean, but we have dedicated our lives. You know, it's funny. Me and my wife had this conversation. My wife's 14 years younger than me. It's probably cause we got money, but, um, you know, <laughs> uh, when I was a child, parents, you know, that here's 20 bucks on a Saturday, you go to the movies, you know, run around with your friends, you ride your bike till dark, you know, the street lights come in, you come in, you know, parents were like drinking and bowling leagues back in the seventies. That was a big deal. You know, seventies and eighties going out. They didn't live for their children, I don't feel, in right. the old days. Right. You know, they did, but they did, but they were working a lot. You know, back when I can remember when my stepdad made ten dollars an hour, man, that was a lot of money in back the seventies yeah. and eighties, you know? And uh uh now me and my wife look, we literally live to create the best life we can for our children. Hmm. I mean, everything we do, we do are our children spoiled? A hundred percent. But are our children well behaved? You're right, because you know what? I'll still whoop their ass in public. Yeah. You know what I mean? We do a lot for them, but we also expect a lot from Hold them. Hold them accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And back to prison systems, private prisons are held accountable. State prisons are not right. So in Arizona, especially we rank like 44th in the nation in educational budget. And we're in the top 10 in prison budget. So that is completely ass backwards. Wow. You know, the educational budget should be high. The prison budget should be low. I agree. But that's how we do things. I mean, look at uh, China. So we have uh, 330 uh, million people in the United States. China outnumbers us by 700 and some odd million. 
yet we have the highest incarceration rate in the country yeah. by two to one. Yeah. As of today, you, you know some one in three people know somebody in prison. That's how prevalent it is. And I tell everybody that gets out that I'm trying to put them out of a job. That's my sole gold. If you get out of prison, you can succeed. And, you know, that's what it's going to take is a bunch of us uh, making up our mind to put them out of business. Yep. And if you don't look at it as a, as a way that you're going to put them out of business, you know, how do we... How do we put small businesses out of business? We boycott them. Yeah. We just do everything. We spread as much as we can of bad about the business. And, and it goes under, you know, because nobody goes to buy their product or service. Yeah. And so if enough of us get out and stay out, um, that business is going to have to shut down. Um, but that business is doing everything it can to keep from getting shut down. It doesn't create cures. It only creates customers. I, uh, I, I, I think we talked about this earlier, but I, I remember watching a documentary on health and they were talking about the, you know, the medical community and the pharmaceutical community working together to not, uh, cure you, but to keep you alive so they can treat your illness, not yeah, cure you. Yeah. But there's, 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 there's no money in health only in sickness. I mean, to give you an example, the Merck company is one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. Guess who makes all the literature for nurses and doctors when they go to school? The books are made by Merck, wow. most of them, yeah. or some other pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And so you look at, you know, you look at incarceration, most of the stuff on how to uh, proceed with incarceration is written by administration figures. Yeah. Policies and procedures are written by a guy like in Arizona Charles Ryan, I just got to give this shout out to him because he got arrested the other day, but did he get booked in? No mug shot on this guy. That's what I'm talking about. There's not racism in this country. There's political bias. Yeah. You know, he was politically protected. He pointed a gun at officers. That's aggravated assault for anyone else, any officer present. But this guy was a terrible counselor. He was corrupt. But I had a counselor one time that was a decent human being, a good counselor. And he was going to quit. And I told him, don't. I said, the reason the system's in peril is because good people come here and they get wore out by yeah. the bad people and they quit. So what happens? You have a bunch of bad people running on an already bad system. He stayed on and ended up being a complex warden. And But I was gone already, so I don't know if he helped change things. But it's like, I mean, it's like Walmart. I mean, they, they, each Walmart, Walton is worth like $125 yeah. billion. Yeah. Literally that is rich at 1%. All their money does is make money. Yet you're the, they're one of the lowest paying employers. That's terrible. They should set the bar at being, I mean, the cashiers should make no less than $25 an hour. I mean, they should be the highest paid. I mean, at what time is greed enough? You can't spend the money. You got but, all your money. But they would rather turn all their checkouts into self-checkout yeah. than to pay their cashiers more. Yeah. And so the prison's the same thing. They'd rather sell you violence and they'd rather sell you, uh, they'd rather put everybody on some type of uh, a pharmaceutical drug for your treatment than sell you treatment, than sell you a fitness, sell you true programming. Where, why don't we have, uh, why aren't we inviting all of these ex-felon? You know, being an ex-felon is a, is a success story now. Yeah. And, and people are really catching on. Like it used to be like, yeah, we're going to go back to prison and have a good time. But now it's like, Hey, we're going to come out here and we're going to prove 
that we're better than the people that kept us incarcerated. But let me reframe. We kept ourselves incarcerated. Yeah. I am a hundred percent the only one responsible for my incarceration. Yeah. However, when you keep me four pointed to a bed in a supermax facility and make me urinate and defecate on myself for seven days, mm. that's torture yeah. under the Geneva Convention. Yeah. When you do certain things to me and you know, and sure, could I have brought it on myself? I did, but I'm also a product of my environment. You know, you don't poke at people in cages and expect them to just curl up in a corner. So they don't teach accountability. There's, there's no treatment. You know, it's just like Arizona changed their name from ADOC, Arizona Department of Correction, to some other Arizona Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Who are we joking? What you think you... That's what I'm saying. They add labels yeah. to justify their actions. And, and the recidivism rate doesn't necessarily come down you know, uh, when you look at the national, federal, state, the national recidivism rate, uh, it, it's been over 75% for years. But every every state and every federal prison budget always asks for more money every year. Now, how many businesses do you know can fail almost 80% of the time and still get more get rewarded by more money in their budget the next year? Well, they just took their cue from the post office. What if a plane, what if three out of every four planes flying in the air fell out of the sky? Right. That would be a problem. The airline, the airline yeah. would not be a business. Yeah. I mean, Boeing just had to shut down all their big planes, yeah. you know, because of one and then eventually two and they shut it down. You know, why but, can't we, why can't we address the problem of, of criminal justice that way as well? I, I don't disagree with you, but I have to, speak on this point i'm a firm believer that if you're waiting for some uh, if you're waiting for good things to happen you'll be waiting a long time you have to make good things happen so if you're waiting for the system to rehabilitate you you're going you're on the you're on the life you're going to be a product of your environment yeah you so we can we can talk about how the system has failed it has it doesn't necessarily fail the prisoner it fails society right but once you're there, what are you as an individual doing to take accountability for your actions? And I had a mom argue with me once because I used to go visit my co-defendant. And I say used to because they took my visits away and it was nothing that I did. But I told people on the bus when we were going to the unit that the reason we are in prison is because we're selfish. And I had a mom try to argue with me. You go to prison because you make selfish decisions that merely benefit you, whether it's getting high, stealing, those are all things you're not thinking, Oh, I better not do this. Cause of my grandma's going to miss me or my mom's going to miss me. But then these guys get to prison. And the first thing they want is everyone to drop what they're doing and cater to them. Send me money. Yeah. I was in come. prison the better part of 22 total years. And my mom sent me a total of $50. When her husband died, I started sending her $50 a month. Mm. So did I hustle in prison? You're damn right. I did. I'm a survivor. I'm always going to survive. I'm like a cockroach when it comes to that. I don't care what you do. I'm going to figure out how to survive. That's how I'm wired. But I'm also, I take accountability for my actions. I don't blame anybody and I'm not selfish anymore. Yeah. Instead of just responding, I try to think of how it's going to affect others. You know what I mean? So that's what anybody who's in prison that's listening you have to take control. Yeah, because no matter how bad the situation is, whether you're in supermax, whether you're in general population, 
no matter how bad the situation is, no matter how bad the system guarding you is, uh, you still have a choice to rise above in any way you can in that situation. Whether you're, whether you have the opportunity, if you're an ad seg, administrative segregation, lockup, supermax, whatever, it, anytime you have the ability to get books, get education, anytime you have the ability to, if you're in general population, you have the ability to go to classes, go to different things. You have the opportunity, no matter how bad it is, you have the opportunity to rise above it in some way. And that's all on you. I mean, I, I mean, when I was in prison, 16, 17, 18, 19 years ago, it was, we had no faith-based dorms. We had no uh, special privileges. We didn't have, um, all we had was visitation. You got a phone call once every 90 days that you had to go down to this sergeant's ranks office to make the phone call every 90 days. Now they have a thing where, you know, um, JPay and different things. You can make phone calls anytime you want. Yeah. I mean, in Arizona, they have a video, uh, they have a, you can send a 30 second video clip. They don't have phone calls anytime you want. They're still on a 15 minute thing. Okay. But, uh, they have emails that are almost instantaneous now. Yeah. So the communicate so, so so people honestly really have no excuse not to succeed Man, now. Yeah, they make it they make it a lot easier to succeed. And again, a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is that you know all that stuff costs money, and and the fam the people's family is the ones you know paying it, and they're not going to not pay it. And these right. companies know that. And again, that's a double tax on the people. You know, here in Arizona, they make them pay three dollars a month for electricity. They make them pay three dollars a month to go see medical. And so when I send my brother money, then they take it out of what I send him. I already paid for the system once. You know, I'm a big proponent of work. Yeah. I think work is extremely important to success out here. And when I say work, I don't mean necessarily in work. I mean in structure. You have to build structure immediately when you get out because you have. So what people don't understand is when you go to prison, the behavior that got you in prison doesn't change. Right. You merely alter your per, your behavior to the environment that you just entered. Yeah. You don't alter the behavior that got you in prison. So when you get out of prison, within two weeks, you're back to that same behavior that you win because you didn't alter it. So you have to alter your behavior and understand that structure is extremely important for people that have been to prison. You have to get out and get a job and start that structure. I mean, there's a lot of dudes in prison that... They went to prison for, you know, five, 10 years for stealing less money than they could make working every two weeks. I mean, you know, I mean, like, especially now everybody's hiring. I mean, I got out. I had no problem. You know, I seen people come and go like, I'll tell you a funny story. We were in this Sally port one time. There's this big dude all tatted down and I never got tattoos. I was respected for who I was, not for what I look like. So he's in there complaining about how the, you know, it's his third time down since I've been in already, you know, 16, 17 years. And this is his third time back. And he's crying about how the, the cops ain't letting him out to do his porter job. And I finally got tired of hearing. I looked at him and tell man, if you're so worried about having a job, you'd have stayed out the last three times and had yeah. a job out there instead of about crying about how you can't. <laughs> so you don't want to work that damn bad. You know what I mean? But the prison doesn't sell a future. No. You have to vision that, you know, like when I was in prison, I'm anti-administration. So I'm like, take the TVs. I want the TVs gone because TVs are the window to society. Yep. They remind you of everything you're missing. They make you care. There ain't no TVs. It's on. We're rioting. You know, that's how my mindset was. Like I was embedded in that. Like we're not talking about somebody out that's now that I'm driving around in fancy cars and living big houses because I wasn't a fool. I was a fool. 
I was, I was in it a hundred percent. I didn't, I didn't fake the funk. I talked to talk and I walked to walk. Well, now I've transitioned that into society life. Yeah. You know, I walk the walk and I, and I talk to talk and I put my money where my mouth is to help other people, you know, and to, and to spread uh, the gospel of success. Yeah. Don't be a statistic. Who wants to be a statistic? I mean, come on, man. We should be getting $10,000 a speaking engagement. You got the Clintons. Who the hell wants to sit around and listen to Bill and Hillary talk? They're paying these people $250,000. Are you kidding me, man? What do they got to say? They're, you're talking about elitists. These people are elitists. They cannot even relate to how society lives. Yeah. And these people, you know, we got people out here fighting over old men in the White House that don't even represent yeah. the population that do not. Do you realize only one sitting president has visited a correctional facility? Obama. Mm. Yeah. was the only president to ever visit a federal correctional facility. Trump uh, filed some other things, but let's digress to when they filed the prison prisoner litigation uh, or anti-terrorism. Uh, what is it? A prisoner. They, they did a prisoner's litigation reform act to stop you from being able to file lawsuits. And then they filed the anti-terrorism and death penalty act, which stripped a lot of people of their habeas corpus rights. So now if you're innocent, you can't even get out of prison mm. uh, with the habeas corpus system. So, I mean, these people pass bills to keep you in prison. Yeah. And so you have to make a choice. Like if you're in there running a poker table, you got store, you got hustle. Take that same drive. If you're the guy who wakes up early and he's ready to go work for 10 cents an hour on that work crew job, come out here and work, you know, I got a story, dudes, when I was like, hey, diehard man, good, congratulations on making parole, man. You, you know, I was like, yeah, thanks, man. They're like, man, you don't seem very happy. I'm like, because I'm not. I'm like, how are you not happy? I'm like, well, I was happy the first time I got out because I knew I was going to come out and act a fool. You know, who, who isn't happy about doing that? You have no stress, no responsibility. Just do whatever you want and the chips fall where they may. This time, I looked at him and told him, there's nothing to be happy about. I'm getting out to start the first day of the rest of my life out there. And consequences are heavy out here. You have to make bills that you never dreamed of in prison. You know what I mean? I keep my overhead low, but I can tell you running a business, man, I've paid taxes in one year than most people make in three hmm. to the government. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I wear my success with pride. I'm not shy about it. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you, yeah, I'm successful. But you know what? You can be successful whether you work at McDonald's or you work at Boeing, whether you got $10 or you got $20 or you got a million. So what was it in prison? Was it something you read, something you wrote, something that, that uh, motivated you to succeed out here on the outside? You know, I left a daughter out there and uh, another selfish act. And I realized that being a parent is no longer about you. It's about your children. And then something, I had a lot of hate, man. Like I'm that guy that could have came out and went postal. Mm. And I developed five quotes for myself that I wrote myself. The only one I remember is, my revenge will be my success. So what I did was instead of taking hate and coming out here and ruining my life and ruining other people's lives, this is when I go speak to juveniles, I tell them all the time, 
Never hurt yourself and never hurt anyone else, man. There's nothing worse than hurting innocent people. So I was motivated by the fact that I could not stand having to take orders from someone that I felt was beneath me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's the arrogance in me. And I'll be honest about that. I still, even though I'm old now, man, you know, I'm pushing 53. No, you're not old. I'm well, 51. No. I'm yeah. 51. So <laughs> okay. quit calling yourself old. All right. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, I still carry a chip on my shoulder that I still, I, I still want to do more. I mean, we just started another company and I literally get up at one o'clock in the morning to learn this company because before I hire somebody and my wife gets up with me and she doesn't have to, and we get up and we run loads for Amazon, uh, from, uh, one in the morning, we get home at six 30 in the morning. And then we go to our dealership and do what we have to do then. And then we go to bed early. Like we literally want to learn this company so that we can hire somebody so that we can build something. And I'm a firm believer that you have to know your business from the bottom to the top and top to the bottom. But here's the key of success in prison. You also have to be a product of your environment out here. Yeah. You want to succeed. Yeah. You don't surround yourself. I call them laborers and engineers. Now, if you were sound, your, uh, surround yourself with other men or women that all they want to do is dig holes that you got to dig yourself out of. You're surrounding yourself. Mm. I want to surround myself with people like you, Jay, Peter Mayoff and anyone else who's successful. They're engineers. You want to build stuff, you're building stuff. You're building. You're That's not so hating. Good. I love that. Like you're happy. You're happy for someone else's success. Nobody wants to be happy. Like, like I said, I got friends that got way more money than me. And every time they succeed at something else, I'm happy for them. Like I'm the first one there, like genuinely happy for them. You know what I mean? Like when, like I know a, a guy I met, he's my neighbor across the street. You know, the guy was dead for 13 minutes. You know, he was strung out on drugs and they had to hit him with Naratane twice, brought him back. This year, he made $75,000. He bought a Range Rover from me. And he goes, that Range Rover motivates me because when I walk out into my garage, I'm on pace to make $90,000 this year. I look at that Range Rover and I know I'm succeeding. You know, It's whatever it is. Maybe it's Jesus that helps you succeed. Or maybe it's a good, nice car or a nice house or family and kids or a good job. Whatever it is, got to just focus all your energy on that. But you can't. If you do dope, bro, going back to the old neighborhood where you did dope at, that ain't the place to be because nobody's there trying, they're digging holes. You know what I mean? They're not, they, you know, surround yourself with people that want to pull you up, you know, like dope dealers. They all want to sell dope. They all want you to do dope with them. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I got friends that drink and they always, oh man, I can't wait to try to get you drunk. Well, I don't drink, bro. You know, that ain't my gig, you know? So, I mean, that's how people think. But if you get around people like you, Jay or Peter, or people who make money, and they they want to pull you up. Right. They want to see you succeed. I mean, where Peter used to work is a car dealership. The guy who's part owner of this car dealership has no problems giving guys second chance. This is a franchise car dealership. I routinely text him to have a great day and tell him that he is the reason he makes the world a better place. Mm. So Reach good. out to people yeah. and encourage them. I mean, this guy makes the world a better place. Yeah, he does. He takes second chances and doesn't bat an eye, man. And when he gets burnt, he don't take it personal. Right. Because he knows, you know, like 
we've been burnt. Like I help dudes when they get out of prison. I'm not t- bragging about it. I don't like to talk about the generosity that I spread, but we've been burnt a couple of times. And my wife would get upset and it would upset me a little bit. But you know what? Here I am. I developed another quote. I look at my wife and I'm like, there's nothing to be upset about because it's not going to change how we live. Right. What they did is not going to... St- they only hurt themselves because it's not going to change how we live. Like their failure is not going to change my right. success. Right. So all they did was hurt themselves. And that's what you have to do. You have to vision a better future for yourself in order to achieve it. Yeah. I Even if I don't like you, if you're out here succeeding, I'm your cheerleader, bro. Wow. I'm your cheerleader. That's so good. That's, you know, that's how I am. I take a positive attitude in everything you do. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big let lion dogs lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I teach my kids to be sheeps and wolf, uh, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. I think it is very crucial that they never expose who they can be. Yeah. But in society, people force you sometimes to do that. It's true. You know, that you have to let somebody know, hey, pump the brakes. You know what I mean? You're, you're going in territory you don't belong in, you know? That's why it was funny with COVID. People were like, put your mask on. I'm like, oh, I'm wearing a mask. Don't worry about that. You know what I mean? If I take this mask off, you know, oh, so that man. just gives you a little bit of an idea. Yeah, but yeah. like I said, you know, I, I'm driven by success, but I don't let what society deems as success, success, success to me is eating dinner with my kids, playing game night with my kids, watching my kids succeed. You know what I mean? That is success for me that I am it's funny because my daughter is in competitive cheer, all-star cheer. And bro, the TV shows about this doesn't even explain how some of these moms and people act. (laughs) And you know what I told my wife the other day was the reason the world stays the same is because these bad parents are creating the next bad people that my good kids are going to have to deal with as good people. (laughs) It is a cycle, but let me use that. Everything we do is a cycle. Look at Venus and Serena, uh, Serena Williams, his father. He said, I live in Compton. I'm surrounded by negative, but I'm going to put my, I'm going to do everything I got to do. Work jobs, whatever I got to do. I don't know their exact story, but he worked hard to pay for tennis lessons because they ain't cheap. Yeah. Any person that breaks the cycle. Now, if they have kids, their kids will never be in that cycle. You know, you can take the NFL. You can take anybody that's risen out of poverty. Your kids, for example, my kids. They'll never, they should never, if they're raised correctly or understand what you're giving them, that you're teaching them how to make good decisions early, they'll never follow in the same cycle we did. So condemn me if you want. I'm a bad guy. They treat me like a bad guy, whether I've been out of prison 16 years, anytime I have contact with certain law enforcement, I get treated like the bad guy. I'll be treated like the bad guy. I have wide shoulders. I'll carry that load, but you won't ever have to worry about treating my kids like a bad yeah. guy yeah. because they're going to go on to never repeat what I did. And their kids are not going to repeat what I did. I broke the cycle of yeah, my bad behavior. So good. And that is what sets me apart from regular people. I don't, have the same, pro- I don't fight with my wife what regular people fight with their wives about because I've been to places where all I had was the pain on the walls. And my wife reminds me sometimes, she's been out here 37 years. 
And she's like, everybody hasn't been through what you've been through. They don't understand like you do. But she never envisioned the life that she has now when she was single mom struggling. Mm. I turned her way of thinking so around. Good. And now we pull each other up. So good. That's what marriage should be. Yeah. That's what marriage well, should no be. No matter what relationship you're in. You know what I mean? I, I don't care what you do. You like guys. You like girls. You like girls. I don't care. Pull each other up as humans. You know? Like, I can't stress enough. So when people are like, hey, man, tell me stories, man, about prison. I don't want to tell you stories about prison because I don't care about that aspect of prison. If you want to hear that I stabbed somebody, I'll tell you that. But you can watch that in Hollywood, man. Yeah. It's not too far off the truth yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You want to see, you know, like I, I don't watch TV out here. I had enough TV. I tried to watch Sons of Anarchy. It's so bad. I couldn't get through it. <laughs> but it's so real. These dudes want to play tough guy and then work with the police. Like you dudes are out here running organizations now. If you got five people in your organization, two and a half of them are working with the man. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you're going down the wrong road. Yeah. When you could be taking that at money. Like, um, there's certain motorcycle gangs out here. Or, I'm sorry, motorcycle clubs that were legit on the radar of the feds and they went after them and now they get 90% of all their business from their corporate interests. They were smart. They got yep. out of crime. Don't pay. It pays, but you got to know when to get out of yes, it. Yes. So if you're in prison right now and you're listening to this on your tablet, get out while the getting's good, bro. That's so good. You know what I mean? Because if you can vision anything you see on TV. So my son is 14. He's a legit quarterback, and I'm biased, but he's legit. And there's a lot of kids out here right now that could be in the NFL, but they let somebody derail their dream. Yeah. Don't let someone derail your dream. If you truly are talented, and whether that's writing computer programs or managing people or just serving hamburgers, then do that. You know, I got all my jobs by telling employers that I don't need a pat on the back because I'm going to do a job well done to my standards. I don't need someone else's standards. I work under a high standard. If you want to be successful, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard than the next person. So good. You so know? good. And that's what success is all about. <clears throat> do it like you sling store. If you're slinging dope in the joint right now and you ain't been caught, Bring that hustle to the street, bro, and sell cars or sell vacuums yes, or yes. whatever you can sell. Because if you can sling dope in the joint and not get caught, not get any more time, you are the man, bro. You're you are, a closer. Yeah, you're an entrepreneur <laughs> waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff out here that's the same as that. It's supply and demand. Right. If you can run a store in the joint, you can run a multi-million business out here. We know zero about businesses when we started. I jump in with both feet and I sink or swim. I've had business ventures where I've lost $15,000. We just couldn't compete with bigger money. You know, we picked the wrong business to get in, you know, but take, don't live to work, work to live. So good. You know what I mean? Like, that was so good. Don't be a worker ant. create. I mean, it's just, it's crazy and pay attention to your kids, man. I mean, it's not, if you have kids and you're a prisoner, it ain't about you no more. Get True. out and fulfill their life, man. Yeah, so Break good. the cycle. So good. You know. So good. Man, John, it has been a pleasure talking with you. You have thrown so much wisdom out here. And uh, and and I appreciate you taking the time today to come on Background Check. Let us uh, appreciate you letting us do a background check on you. Yeah. Uh, you passed. <laughs> you passed. And, uh, 
man, I'm inspired by you. I know other people are going to be inspired when they hear your story and they hear, you know, uh, how you, how you rose above. I should have never got out of prison. I'll just say that I was accused of some pretty heavy stuff, but I was lucky. That's it. Like I tell my wife, we don't ever win the lottery. I, I suck at scratching tickets. Apparently I suck at gambling too, but I'm lucky at life. But I believe it's because I make good things happen for myself. So I should have never got out of prison, but I was in a prison where the economic circumstances were different then. They yeah. didn't have a lot of money. They couldn't take people back to trial. They couldn't, And I got lucky. So every day that I'm out, I know that I shouldn't be out. Yeah. And I, the key thing, Jay, I say this to everyone, never forget where you come from. Because if you forget where you come from, you'll be back. So I never forget those prison cells. So good. So never forget where you come from because it also humbles you and it allows you to treat other people with compassion. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, I mean, and then think, man, do you, would you ever want your mom or your sister or your children to go through what you went through? Who, who wish, I don't wish that on anybody, you know? All right. Well, the dogs are telling us that our time is up. I don't know if you can hear the dogs in the background, but, uh, but, but thanks again. Listen, it has been a pleasure and uh, I know your story is going to touch a lot of people's lives and motivate them and inspire them, uh, whether they're in prison or whether they're already out, you know, because you were, you were a success while you were in there because you learned how to rewire your brain and re re retrain your mind to, to be a certain way. Uh, and you've been a success out here as well. So, Thank you for your time and your energy. Lots of energy. I appreciate that because oh, I'm an, I'm an energy person I'm too. I'm passionate. I'm passionate. And, uh, and thank you so much. And uh, God bless you and your family and everything you do. Thanks for giving back. Uh, thank you, Jay. I mean, uh, we just met. But like I said, I'm astounded by your success. We've both been out 16 years. And one little tidbit of information to anybody that's at, uh, getting ready to get out of prison. What I have is a foundation. You have to build your foundation and then you brick by brick get what you got. A lot of guys get out of prison, they see how I live and they think that that comes in a couple of days. They start trying to build the bricks without building the foundation. Foundation. You gotta put that foundation down. And when you talk about rewiring my brain, what I did was when I decided I was gonna change for the better, every night when I laid down in prison, I reevaluated my day and I told myself what I wanted to change about myself. And what that does is you are slowly reprogramming your brain. It's no different than if you have a job and you got to get up at 6 a.m. Well, two weeks later, you don't have to set your clock for 6 a.m. no more because your body knows. Your brain is no different. All you have to do is encourage it and it will take hold. And before you know it, bam, you're successful. Amen. Amen. So thank you, buddy. Thank you and appreciate all you do, man. Take it easy. You too, buddy. Thank you. What'd you think? I loved, I loved, I love meeting new people, but when they have a great, interesting story, I love it even more. Uh, if if you liked John's story, man, write us in, let us know about it. Um, just a great, like I said, a lot of golden nuggets. You know how to rewire your brain, and uh, and he's so right. You know, there's so many ways we can rewire. Um, I read an article one time where got to do the science behind it, the neuro, the neural pathways that have been created in our brain due to the way we were brought up maybe trauma that happened to us while we were 
being brought up and raised by our parents. And all those create these pathways. Even when we try something for the first time, we create a new pathway. And then when we do it over and over, we, it's like we, we solidify the structure, the infrastructure of that highway. And if we want to go a different path that's not down that highway, we've got to create a new one. That means we got to try something new. I know I'm having a hard time losing weight. I'm not having a hard time gaining muscle. I'm lifting heavy and I'm gaining muscle, but I'm having a hard time losing the fat. And it's because my neural pathways right now are filled with the, the sugar highways. And not necessarily sugar, but just carbs. You know, because I, I, I want to I wanna feel energy when I lift. I'm not quite at the point yet where I, where I want to just be skinny. I want I want to I want to be big and lift and, and and have muscle mass and lean muscle mass, but I also I also want to be healthy. So I'm going to have to create some new neural pathways. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm trying to eat more healthy, so that when I crave food, it's not always carbs. I can go I can go get some carrots or some broccoli and. You know, and, and maybe not have the ranch that goes with it or, you know, but in life, man, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, whether it's a behavior pattern, whether it's gossip, you know, I, I, man, I'm, I hate to say it, but I know a lot of people uh, that love to gossip because that's their, their neural pathways, you know, and some of them are saved and, and sitting on the front row of church and, and, and some of them aren't, but it's when you create neural pathways of, of gossip and just talking about people and even the neural pathway of people looking at us through the lens of our past and not who we are, who we are now, the present. And I'm, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to check your neural pathways, check your wiring. There's, there's a way you can start and begin to rewire your bad habits and create new ones. You can't just stop doing the bad habits. You have to create new ones and create new pathways. And then, and then uh, you'll start heading in a different direction. So um, thanks for listening. Let's, I want to pray for my, my new friend, John. Uh, let's lift him up in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my new friend and his family, his kids, Lord. Thank you for his business. I pray his business thrives and flourishes. And I know he's got multiple streams of income. I just pray you uh, allow them to just all flourish in Jesus' name. And I pray for his health, his family's health. I pray that you give him breakthrough, draw him close to you, Lord, and just give him give him wisdom and creativity as he moves forward in business and, and in life. And let his family flourish, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, we'll see y'all next week. It's, uh, it's going to be a Mother's Day episode next week. I don't know. Um, my kids may, may hijack that one. <laughs> uh, would y'all like to see a, uh, hear a kids kids hijacked episode for Mother's Day? All right, love you. Listen, don't forget to 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 let your background pay you back, not hold you back. All right, you you were you were created in the image of God, and the devil is the biggest identity thief. And one of the things that 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 identity thieves try to steal is your image. And the devil wants to steal the image of God that you were created in, so that you don't know who you are and whose you are. But remember, whether you're saved or not yet, you can't get around the fact that someone created and perfectly designed you. So remember that. All right? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Y'all have a good week. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast. 
Brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.